0: Hey guys, I wanted to answer some questions before the episode started. I reached out to you guys on Instagram, and here's what you guys asked me about. One of you wanted to know some poetry book recommendations. One of them is uh, Gabriel Garcia Lorca's Collected Poems Anthology. It's really good if you're into queer poetry from, like, turn of the century to the 50s. Really interesting history. And then it goes into... of his works and then translated as well but you have them side by side it's really cool Uh, another one to look into is the study of hands I forget his name now which is so sad because I took workshops with him but if you look up that on poetry book name on Amazon it should come up they have a lot of ones that are uh, secondhand I got mine for like five bucks it was really cheap um, and that one's a really interesting one. Also a queer story, but still sort of plays with um, the story of heartbreak and processing. A lot of poetry books follow uh, an emotional processing. I think that one re- does it really well. But yeah, I, I recommend any book from Nautical to Media. If you go online, uh, their website, I think, is thatname.com, nauticalmedia.com. And uh, they have really good, like representation for almost every, every genre and group of people that are making poetry right now. And I think that's like the main scene right in SoCal is on not a cult. So yeah. And they also have workshops with the author of the study of hands. Yeah. Next question was, what are some cute quarantine date ideas? Hey babe, what are some cute quarantine date ideas?
1: (laughs) Dinner together at home.
0: Dinner at home. Oh, what's that? Uh, the rather- Budget Bites. Budget Bites. Yeah, go, guys, go on there. Look up the ingredients you have in your fridge. They have really good recipes like that sound gourmet. They're you-
1: super cheap.
0: Yeah, and they're really cheap. <laughs> uh, another thing to do, we've just been making the most of it.
1: Go on hikes.
0: A lot of hikes, yeah. Bring ice cream. Do what you guys love. Try to be safe. Um, oh, yeah. there was
1: that one super cute date we did. Oh, what Where? was it? It was the one that you did. We we had a little picnic in the back of your car.
0: Oh yeah, And we like drove to like this lookout. It was so cute. I had like a candle. Probably don't break a candle in a car. It was a bit too. Nah, do it.
1: Live life dangerous. <laughs>
0: uh, and uh, we brought like, we were gonna do like little drawings of each other. Once we got up there, it was such a cute idea. But then it was I raining. had a, yeah, and I had a discussion. I had to attend that I forgot about so. Yeah, just scheduling. I mean, time is of the essence, you guys. Still make room for your dates with your significant other and dates with your friends, too. Even if it's just cutting out a piece of time, like an hour talk with your friend, it could mean the most, you know, respecting respecting that everyone needs some homey time right now is probably your top priority. The last question is, how's my skincare journey going? It Fantastic. is it is very good. Thanks for asking. I have cystic acne and I've been doing like Curology, which is someone that almost became a sponsor of the show, but then they were late during COVID and my skin got too bad for me to continue with them. So um, I'm sure they're still really good. They seem to have an amazing group of reviewers and everything like that, but I haven't seen anything unsponsored by them. And, yeah, I've been using La Roche-Posay, which was something recommended to me by a nurse in Spain, my auntie. And I've, I found a Target here, so I've just been using that. It is really expensive, um, and that's sort of the main drawback. But until things are back to normal, I'm just using that and just loving myself. I find when I forget about my acne, it gets better, and it's not as painful, so... Yeah, that's the main thing. Thanks for submitting your questions, you guys, and I'll see you next week. Hello, my name is Lauren Marquez, and you're listening to Curiosity to Chat today. I am here with my boyfriend, Brandon. and
1: very cozy Yeah,
0: we're in uh, Drad's studio again, and um, if you want to listen to audiobooks, please feel free to check them out, my last name. Uh, Okay, so today we are talking about relationships and more COVID things but I wanted to bring up how just like helpful advice for people that have that have relationships with people with mental health issues and like are supporting them through you know mental health teams. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm sure a 19 year old and a 22 year old have a wealth of information yeah. on
0: this. well it could be more than some people right so I thought we would give it a crack and try to share what we know Um, because the reason I'm bringing this up was because we saw a photo well I was showing photos from like a year ago and I for the first time I had like a tangible thing of how my mental health has gotten better from like a year and that's really important when you're going through therapy because it's such a
1: yeah you got to see you got to see the improvement
0: yeah yeah And that was like my first physical tangible thing of this and I was just like wow like we should share if we have anything so yeah uh, we're gonna get into Cast by Isabel Wilkerson's book uh, pillar three and four uh, just briefly I didn't take really deep notes about that and back onto the relationship thing so. What I found was most helpful was just researching the shit out of this. And I think we both tried to kind of make sure that we were aware of what was going on and like that we needed to do different things in general to make sure we were supporting each other. Um, and one of the things we found, I think this was a couple of weeks ago, was avoiding being a crutch for someone that is going through...
1: Right, Yeah the The thing was like not trying to be the person's savior, you know, because then that's just as toxic. Being somebody's like, I don't know, reason that they can get out of bed in the morning isn't yeah. helpful. Like those sort of things should come from within. And as, I don't know, as a spouse or a significant other or whatever, your job should be lending support and not necessarily being their reason to get out of bed.
0: Yeah. And that's really what I took away from these past couple months as like a learning curve uh, because I was really trying to avoid this and I didn't realize it was such a big issue for people with mental health issues. Um, Let's see what I wrote. So not being understanding, trying to be human, sorry, sometimes, yeah, so sometimes it can go south. That's what I wrote. (laughs) So make sure to keep an eye on that. I thought, like, the only really other tangible thing we could share is, like, just being brutally honest about all of these issues that we have and, like, saying, like, yeah, I'm I'm getting help for this and, like, this is what's going on. Yeah,
1: we're not perfect people. Yeah. We're, we're all flawed in our own ways. Yeah. And I think part of the relationship is identifying those flaws and deciding whether or not you accept them and you still love the person for it. Or if you say, this is too much for me. Yeah. And I think we should see other people, you know. Yeah. I think that's part of a relationship is especially in long-term relationship, figuring those flaws out and deciding if the other person's worth it.
0: Right, yeah. Which sounds so, so do bitter, but... Yeah, it sounds like, a
1: little cynical, for sure, but...
0: This, yeah, yeah otherwise it's going to come up anyways if you don't express to your partner.
1: Yeah, if if you don't identify somebody's flaws and you just choose to believe that the person is, you know, this flawless individual, one that's completely idealistic, yeah, choosing it's, as well. it's just, mm-hmm. it. it's not realistic whatsoever... And two, it's gonna breed resentment when the person slips up and they aren't that perfect person.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like if,
1: if I, if I was shocked every time you had like a panic attack or something, and right. I was like, "Oh my god, this isn't her." I would, I would be annoyed every time you had a panic attack because I'm like, "No, this isn't the person I'm dating." Right. Like this is the one I signed up for. Uh-huh. And so knowing who you are as an anxiety-prone person, accepting it, and saying, "Yeah, I accept this as part of who she is," and I still love her. hmm That's important. Yeah. I think everybody needs to 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 identify that. It's identify your partner's flaws and decide if that's good for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good way to put it. So anyway, besides that, I was thinking about uh, an Amazon show called uh, Modern Love. It's a... Uh, well, let me just give you the what Google said it was. Uh, it's an American romantic comedy anthology web television series which is a mouthful, uh, based on the weekly column of stories of love sent in as advice every week in the New York Times, published by the New York Times that premiered on Amazon in October 18th, 2019. So this was way before the virus hit, and I think it was important to air. Uh, Anne Hathaway There's a episode on the show where she goes through explaining what it's like to have bipolar disorder and her romantic partners that meet her during her peaks and how because she hides her mental disorder eventually never is able to continue relationships on or even have friends all her life because she's keeping this under wraps and like it's so painful to watch and I think it's a good wake-up call for people that are not seeking help or going the mile to make sure that they're open with this with others. Uh, It was really interesting because, you know, it was a full circle sort of story. It was really beautiful. I'd recommend watching it. At the end, like, it's all narrated as the bio of her new relationship um, dating profile. So she's, like, putting it all out there, like, hey, this is what happened. This is what has happened in the past. And, you know, if you're down for that, then I'll see you soon or something like that. And... Yeah, I just really liked it. And it just, these mental illnesses can be so debilitating. And I don't think we talk about them enough. And well, I think, I think it's interesting. I wanted to bring it up. Yeah,
1: it's like, do I show all of my crazy right from the start? Mm. Like, like, do I go up to people on the first date and be like, hey, I have severe OCD that I take medication <laughs> for, you right. know? Like, <clears throat> I, I feel like there's a balance where you have to meet the perfect person in a situation like that where it would work perfectly. Somebody mm-hmm. who, who's already aware that, like, yeah, I'm fine with that, right? And you, you kind of run the risk of, you know, maybe, maybe I met the person, maybe I met the one, but mm. because I, I let all my crazy out on the first date instead of being like a normal person mm. and like kind of weaving my crazy in, right. as people do in relationships, you know, instead of just like letting it all out there and you just scared them away. I don't know. I feel like that makes dating kind of hard. Like, yeah do, do, I, do I show all my crazy on, on day one? Or do I kind of do I kind of sprinkle it in? Do I pepper it in with every single right. day that I'm that I'm a little crazy? <laughs> Just
0: a heads up. I mean, it's worth noting too if you're getting into a relationship and things are going extremely well, extremely fast, like you're moving in together in the first week. Slow down, first of all. That's toxic.
1: The first week, my God.
0: I don't know. Sometimes I feel like there are people with mental illnesses that will do like love bombings and like yeah, we've talked about that too. Yeah. Yeah. How. They'll try to just like hook someone in because they feel like they're too crazy to like showcase everything before they, yeah. Like, I, love I, I, with I gotta you. lock
1: this one down before he realizes I'm insane, and yeah.
0: Dips. And that's that's the way to go about it, yeah. A boy, like,
1: like, I need to get pregnant on day two, so he's <laughs> stuck forever. <laughs> like, oh
0: my god, that's also not it. <laughs>
1: no, that's definitely the way to go. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, the last point I really wanted to say i guess was um you know growing up i we've i had a really good i think representation of what a relationship would look like and i thought you know sharing our experiences trying to be so healthy and everything like this could be good for others because not everyone has
1: i think it's a balance though i think you need to find the right person that you want to put the effort in for right like you shouldn't just Put in all the work that we've done. Because it is a lot of work. It's it's yeah. hard. It's not easy. It is very hard. But you need to find the right person who is willing to put in equal effort as you. Because if you're putting in all the work and they're not really doing anything, that's probably not the relationship for you.
0: Yeah. And that's why I wanted us to be on the show. Because I feel like not everyone has a model of... I don't don't want to put us as a model, but as an example. We're we're the perfect couple. There's never been a better couple. Mm -hmm. People have
1: been married for like 70 years. (laughs) Good luck. We're better than you. We're the experts here. (laughs) Please sit down, Janet and your 90-year-old husband. Okay. (laughs) Excuse me. Get that cough.
0: Yeah, I only included this uh, little tidbit of info because I've been watching The Midwife, and it's a British show about... Midwives in the forties, and it follows like medical history. And you need to
1: catch up though. Your mom's on like season six. I know you're, you're not like, even on season two I yet. Know. She sounded so disappointed last night when you guys were talking about it. <laughs> yeah. It's like really just on season two. I know I've let her down.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, I one of the episodes was talking about how because they work in the east end of London back in that day, and it's really you know run down and a lot of poverty there. They said you know poverty isn't the resources you have, but the lack of love and ability to learn the differences between abuse and respect, you know, and that's why they, I feel like they sympathize with a lot of, you know, prostitution cases, which I know is such strange to bring up with this point, but yeah, well, I don't know. I thought we could try and share in some way that understanding, you know, of the differences between abuse and and respect it's it's a fine line yeah
1: I mean people who've been in abusive relationships like I I looked up articles reading just like trying to get as much information on this how you're Mm -hmm. supposed to conduct yourself in it and there are a lot of people who mistake abusive relationships with someone who really cares about them right
0: Yeah. like
1: somebody who's constantly going through your phone or whatever is super jealous all the time it's like oh he's super jealous because he really loves me and he's really worried about losing me when really it's more of a control thing yeah so yeah, the, the line gets blurred there when it really shouldn't because those are two different extremes. Mm-hmm. Trusting somebody and loving them versus trying to control them and make sure, you know, just being like a crazy, jealous person all the time. Yeah. Those are two completely different things. Like, they're, it's not a blurred line. They're not right next to each other. Mm-hmm. They're pretty far on the opposite sides of the spectrum.
0: Yeah. Thanks for reading that a bit more. All right. Uh moving away from relationships uh, this week. Cast. Yeah, cast. But also I wanted to talk a little PSA to everyone that's like really getting to know themselves right now because you're in quarantine and you're like, wow, I know myself now, but my, my closet doesn't reflect this. Oh,
1: I love your notes by the way. <laughs> Going bankrupt so get those deals.
0: <laughs> Yeah, this...
1: Benefit from other people's suffering, guys. Get while the going's hot. Strike while while the iron's hot. People are losing their jobs. Go get that cheap clothes.
0: You made me laugh so hard I coughed. Wait, there's one more. (coughs)
1: That's beautiful ASMR for everybody listening.
0: Right, you're welcome.
1: This is why I tune in for the coughs.
0: I wanted to let you guys know... There is one pro to the coronavirus, and that is a lot of really big brands are going bankrupt, uh, which could be a good thing for my listeners because I went crazy at New York and company as they were closing. And well,
1: yeah, you got like $90 jackets for like 10 bucks.
0: Oh, my God. It was such a steal. And I like... I'm in awe still. I, I keep looking. Some of them I haven't even taken the tags off because I keep looking at it. And I'm like, wow. So the one you wore last night, you
1: still had the, the tag that said extra small. It was still like the oh, sticker. Really? Yeah, it was still on there. I, <laughs> when I was hanging it up, I was like, oh, she left the sticker on. She wore it all day.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah. I went through. Uh, just go look around your neighborhoods um, in like really name brand stores because a lot of them are going bankrupt. But you can get, you guys can get good deals. And you're not supporting fast fashion because it's really they're just going out of you know, business and this is going to go in the landfill anyway. So,
1: no, I mean, you're going to stop wearing those jackets that you got as soon as you know fall 2021. You know, right? Off, it's out of style. Right. I've never understood that concept. It's I like, even... guys, you can you can wear clothes for more than a year.
0: Yeah, you can wear
1: clothes for a long time.
0: Mm-hmm. You don't have to
1: throw them out. They no. still work. Yeah, clothes <laughs> are just cloth that keeps you warm. Yeah, you don't need to throw them out at the end of
0: the day. Yeah, a little pro tip against fast fashion with Brandon Lehman.
1: (laughs) Yeah, somebody who doesn't really understand fashion. Come to me for your advice.
0: (laughs) Exactly. That's that's really what this show is about. Yeah,
1: talking about something that I really don't know a lot about, but with the confidence that I do know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And then convincing all of you to do what I believe personally. Oh my God. No, no, no. We can't break
0: the fourth wall yet. Unsubstantiated
1: by (laughs) any facts whatsoever.
0: Uh, Okay, so. Now we're talking about racism. Also something I'm not extremely familiar with. Go
1: watch Django Unchained. We watched it last night. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was was a good time. Even your mom got into it.
0: Yeah, at the end. I think because there's three acts.
1: She's like, oh, I I can't watch this. I need to go to bed. And then she comes back five minutes later. She's like, oh, so what's happening right now? It's so funny. (laughs) Uh,
0: If you don't know, Django Unchained is about a freed slave who hooks a ride in his journey with a bounty hunter. And they
1: worked together to kill slave owners for profit while also trying to free Django's wife from yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. His evil clutches and yes. his beautiful blue eyes.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it's so interesting to see the theories of, that supported racism back in the 1850s.
1: Yeah. What's the thing that he called it? Phrenology, whatever. The, the grooves in the skull were right. from... That somehow they believed that certain parts of the brain that were, I don't know,
0: submissive and loyal, larger.
1: There were parts of the brain that were larger, which were associated. Oh, the keyboard just disconnected. Anyways, (laughs) different parts of the brain, like they believed that for black people, the the part of the brain that was for civility and obedience was larger in their brains. Whereas white people, the largest part of their brain was associated with creativity. Yeah. And so sucks. that that was how they justified saying, yes, we're right. Black people are subhuman. And this is why we can treat them this way.
0: Ugh, just and disgusting. It, it,
1: it's not just the thing that they made up in the movie. There are some things in the movie they made up. Like, Mendingo fighting wasn't really a thing. Oh, okay. Like, like that wasn't a thing. They just
0: Thank God. Really... Yeah. Thank
1: God. But, I mean, there's still some pretty terrible things that did happen. But
0: uh-huh.
1: that was something that I was like. Cause like, I, did... I
0: feel like they included it because you wouldn't have put it past the 1850s. Right.
1: It's like, yeah, I could see them doing this. But yeah, um, but yeah the, the phrenology thing with the, the the brain was something they genuinely believed back then. Like I, I looked crazy. it up. It was something that they believed. It was like one of the earliest branches of psychology. And
0: the, Yeah, that is so crazy. But it's a really interesting story. I've watched a lot of uh, cinema essays, you know, on YouTube about the black trope of like the white savior trope and i thought that movie was sort of going into that sort of direction but i think tarantino added the third uh section yeah third act third act i think to try and rectify that because in the end the white guy that that saves him from slavery spoilers well that's like the first intro right well
1: Well, i don't know i thought you were going to talk about him dying
0: Oh, yeah, I was. That's why, that's I really says, was. Yeah, that's why I said uh, Well, you just spoiled it, but... Um, I said spoilers
1: beforehand. It's okay.
0: Okay, all right. It's all
1: done. <laughs> Any damage I did is justified now.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, they, they try to separate the story from him, and he kind of just goes into his, his own thing. And I really like that. I think... Yeah, That's I mean something to be aware of when you watch movies that are written by white people. The first that two, the work. first two
1: acts are definitely more of like, look what, doctor, doctor Schultz does for Django. Yeah, know? he gave him his, he gave him his freedom and he taught him how to, him to read, yeah. teaches him how to be
0: civil. All
1: these things got him a a super cool job killing yeah. white people. You know. Yeah. Like that was definitely the the vibe in the first two acts for sure. But but
0: I mean he still it still felt like. Well, he has the talent, the natural talent yeah. already to have done this.
1: But then the third act really brings it to fruition, where it's like Django's on his own. He's doing all these things. Like, sure, Schultz gave him the opportunity and the the tools, but Django also, he, like, I don't know, he polished the the tools that he was given, really worked yeah. for it, uh-huh. and he still had the 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 heart to go save his wife. Yeah. Also, spoilers. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's a great movie. No, yeah, um, I know
1: we're just doing like a deep dive on the movie instead of dissecting but the social I love commentary. It, but it's still—it's a good movie. Yeah, I love it. it
0: still ties back to cast by Isabel Wilkerson because I feel like everything now that I understand about race has really gone back into cast and programming of privilege.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was like. um Samuel L. Jackson's character, he's, yeah. a, he's a slave. He's like the head house slave. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about how his programming where he's like, he's, he's legitimately mourning when his slave master dies. And he's working against other slaves such as Django uh-huh. because he's, he's programmed so much to feel that white people are above black people and that you know he, he should be doing things that benefit his master. And he
0: also profits in that system as well. Because he feels like, well, I am at the highest rank. He, he what feels
1: I... he profits. He's still yeah. he's still treated yeah. below white people, but he feels that he's profiting because he's not being treated the way that like Django or the Mendingos are being mm-hmm. treated.
0: Like he's probably the only black person you see that's in the house that isn't like a woman. And
1: he's like joking around with the slave owner. Yeah, with, yeah. with Calvin Candy, with yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio yeah. his beautiful blue eyes.
0: Uh.
1: <laughs> I, I couldn't get over those eyes.
0: I, I don't blame you.
1: Yeah, the one scene where the dogs are literally eating the one dude, his eyes are just popping. That is oh the one thing I noticed.
0: I, I couldn't watch that scene. Yeah, it's was I
1: like, don't. close your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not over yet. It's not over yet.
0: Uh, yeah, it's a really graphic movie, but definitely with the watch. I didn't really
1: get too, oh, I mean, like, not that like I didn't get into cast, but like the only part of it that I heard was when I was with you in the car. Uh-huh. So, like, you definitely know more about this than I do.
0: Yeah, uh, so they went into the third and fourth trope. We listened to the fourth together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forgot to take notes on the third for some reason. Um, but I wanted to go back deeper because now that they've prefaced, like, racism isn't just about color. It's about privilege and keeping the order in place. Now they're going into actual experiences from more of the black community. Oh, our computer just died just open that up again and i think it's important to know because uh there was so there's four episodes to the workshop sort of lecture series with her and now they're kind of bringing it back to real world experiences and i thought that was a really productive way to end it because i think you know now you, you The series sort of opens your mind, and now you're like, okay, now I can actually look at these situations, and maybe they make me uncomfortable, but this is the reality of America right now.
1: Well, yeah, like that story with um, whatever his name was, Al. I think that was the nickname. I don't remember what his full name was. The kid who oh, the pool boy. Yeah, the kid who his team won the like the little league championship. They all went to like a community pool to celebrate, and all he was the only black kid on the team. All his teammates were allowed to go in. He had to sit outside the fence. All of his friends were bringing him food from outside, and the coaches and everybody finally convinced the lifeguard to let him in, under the condition that all the white people were out of the pool, and the kid was the only one in the pool, and the lifeguard was pulling him around on a floaty, telling him, do not put your hands or feet or any of your body into the pool,
0: Yeah. And
1: they talked about just how much that event traumatized him, how much it affected him, even until like the day he died, He, they said they gave him or he gave a lecture a couple weeks before he died talking about that, and he ended up crying just thinking about that. Like, the trauma that people had to face back then, it wasn't just episodic. It wasn't just something that they felt in the moment and moved past. It was something that followed them through their lives, and it affected their self-image going into adulthood, even going to – this happened in the 50s, and this was something he was crying about in, like, 2019 like this isn't just something that happened in the moment this, this is something is that trauma. Aff- it affects you yeah. lifelong forever yeah. and not enough people recognize that we think about slavery happening like 200 years ago but we yeah don't... one of
0: the moms they brought on they were like my kids think racism ended in the 50s right
1: and that happens all the time too but even in the 50s like there are people alive like like Ruby Bridges is very much alive and well uh-huh. today like these things didn't just end when the Emancipation Proclamation was signed, like
0: or when the Civil War.
1: Like these these yeah. things didn't just end with the signing of papers and laws. Like there was still racism that people face today that is going to affect them lifelong. There yeah. were, there were very severe things that happened in the fifties and sixties where people are still alive who were affected by that. And
0: I think there's still systemic oppression and programming today that is still being perpetuated, like the fact that we don't have enough black directors and storytellers that are winning oscars and just the whole system you know all of our ways that we celebrate people have to coincide and represent our people and i think that's why until we have our governments and the way we prioritize our people to reflect who is in our country this is going to perpetuate
1: shout out Shonda Rhimes even though Grey's Anatomy sucks now and all the spinoff shows are terrible (laughs) so shout out Shonda Rhimes why is that she's a black storyteller for one of the most successful drama shows of all time
0: Uh, yeah
1: Grey's Anatomy is terrible now I wouldn't watch it but the first Uh. nine seasons are pretty good
0: (laughs) yeah well that's our show today um I think we, we hit a lot of really good yeah. points. Yeah.
1: Think about think about your toxic behaviors and relationships. Think about how you can rectify that. Think about what your needs are and what your partner's needs are. Yeah. Um, consider your own I don't know, your own privilege. Consider your own behaviors and see how it might affect somebody else. How yeah. your beliefs would affect somebody else. And, and I want
0: I don't want this episode to feel like like a guilt trip, you know. We're all human and I think
1: And watch Django Unchained.
0: Yeah, watch Django Unchained. (laughs) Okay, bye guys.